Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach, Jordana Michelle. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams so you can be best friends who learn and grow together and share dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before I go any further, I have a question. What do you want to do in this world while you're here? What do you want to make happen? Whatever that thing is, in order to get there, nothing happens on its own. To make things happen, we have to get other people on board. And to get other people on board, we have to be effective and impactful. In other words, we need power. And in this episode of Women Wanting Women, I interviewed Jennifer Russell, an expert on empowerment who breaks down what she calls the four faces of incorruptible power. She teaches what each of these four faces of power are, how we can source them within ourselves and express them in the world to get what we want. And she also talks about what the shadow side of each face of power is and how it can cause harm if someone takes it too far. You can learn more about Jennifer Russell on her website, jennifersrussell.com. But before you do, I highly recommend that you stick around for this really fun, fascinating, and important discussion. Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. Oh, I'm delighted. Um, I'm really delighted. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. The thing I've been most excited to talk with you about is power. Because when Jennifer Russell walks into a room, that is for sure the, the main word that's on my mind. You are just a woman that exudes power. Uh, you teach about power. You know about power. And so I just am so excited to share with listeners as much as I can about what you know. Oh, I'm so glad. If any word in our vocabulary needed a, a makeover and needed us to relate to it differently, it is this this concept, this word. So I'm really excited to jam with you here. Yeah, I it, it does need a makeover, right? Because people have a funny association with it. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I when I'm in front of a room and I ask them what do they what is what does the room feel about power, invariably you get people raising their hands and, and it's reputation in the room. You know, you've got some people on one side saying strength and confidence and esteem, but you, you get a large majority of the room raising their hands saying corruption, greed, manipulation, fear, dominance, right? So you get a real mixed bag. And so when that's our relationship internally, it really is in representation of how we all feel about our own power. Um, you, you really get a sense of why most of us are not feeling very empowered in our lives. Right, because we're not willing to hold our power if we think holding it means we have to be manipulative, greedy, domineering. Right, right. None of us want to be abusive, and if we think that power can't exist unless it's being abused, then we're not going to use our power. 
Yeah, we won't. We won't. In fact, our, our egos won't even allow us to, to flirt with the idea. Right. So so this is what I see when I um, work with a lot of leaders and 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 people along on their love, their leadership, their businesses. When I work with them, what I notice most is that we're we're all like a thousand pullbacks. Right. So on the one hand, we don't want to be too loud. So we pull back from that. And but but yet on the other, we don't want to be too quiet. Right. On one hand, we don't want to um, take up too much space. And then on the other, we don't want to be like the fly on the wall. Right. And so we just keep pushing back. We don't want to be too forceful, but with them, we don't want to be too meek. And then it's pullback after pullback after pullback. And then we're thousands of pullbacks away. And then what's left is this tiny little box of what we feel is acceptable to us in the way that we express who we are. And in that in those thousand pullbacks, there's hardly any of any bit of us left. And so the world doesn't need us to be less of anything. We actually need you to be more of everything, right? So what I like to do is work with people to unlock their ability to have more flexibility and range, right? So that they have more access to that in any space they're in. And not for for negative purposes, but really to lead, serve, and inspire those around us. Because it's such a privilege to have that potency in our world. Right. And so I just want us to learn how to use it better, to wield it with more responsibility than we've ever had before and not to be pulling back and pulling back. Because if we're always pulling back, then we don't have the opportunity to step forward, to leave and serve and inspire and wield our power with that right balance of responsibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're a thousand pullbacks away then you're, you're sitting there questioning every action. And in that questioning of every action creates all of the self-doubt, all of the lack of self-esteem. And um, I guarantee you that um, the world is a better place if we're all actually more expressed, more authentically putting our hopes and dreams out there, more authentically putting out our passions and purpose. So... I just like to be in conversations with people about how to unlock that. And in my work, I've seen that like power doesn't have just one face, right? There is not just one way that power tends to look. And, and what I've seen is that, that at least in the way I look at it, it's got actually four faces. And, um, when I'm working with people, I, it's, it's really fun to see, well, which of these four faces are you most comfortable expressing and where are the other ones where they feel really unnatural, really scary and not, not normal for you to express and how do we unlock those other faces of power? Um, there's, there's almost nothing I love more than your breakdown of the four faces of power. And I want to get into all of it. Yeah. But I think that before we do, just because that's so juicy and I could just literally talk for way too long about that. But before we do, can we talk about, uh, what power is and, and yeah, can we just talk about what power is? Yeah. Yeah. So, for me, the way I define power is really the ability to create an experience in another human being, in another group. And when you are able to reliably create an experience for yourself, for others, then and you're able to call your shots about what experience you're going for, that's power. And a lot of what generates power is congruence, right, is that you're aligned, 
And the more parts of you that are aligned going in one direction all at once, you know, because we are all this conflagration of parts, right? We have the older, wiser parts. We have the young, rebellious teenager parts. We've got the three-year-old tantruming parts. We have all of these parts. So we're every age. We don't grow out of them. They stay within us in some way. They all stay within us. And just watch yourself in one moment when you're triggered and you'll know that you're definitely not your age. You're definitely <laughs> four years old or 12 years old or whatever. So if we are all these ages, all of these parts of us have independent hopes, dreams, fears, and frustrations, right? They have their own agendas. <laughs> and when I interact with someone, it's usually really clear to me how many of these parts are, are in the peanut gallery and who's saying what. And I can generally read in the first 10 or 20 seconds of listening to someone um, all of these different parts, all of their conversations, and whether they're all at cross purposes with each other, whether some parts are facing one direction, while other parts of them are at cross purposes facing the exact opposite direction. So part of being powerful, in my definition, is, is really learning about that peanut gallery of parts inside of us and learning how do I actually realign all of myself so that we're all congruent internally so that the external world is also incongruent with me. So that's one of the things that I like to, to look at with power. There are two really powerful things that I took from what you just said. One of them, of course, being the idea that the more we can have that conversation with all of our old selves and get all of them to sort of line up and agree with each other and figure out how we can all move towards collectively handling our hopes and dreams and our agendas so that we work together on them and not you know, be a peanut gallery all working in other direction. So our inner power coming from the ability to align that. But another thing that really stood out to me as you were talking about it was the fact that within 20 seconds of being in a conversation with someone, you have the ability to really see all of that happening in another person. And so I just want to call out, you know, that other power, that power of observation, that power of stillness, the power to be really present enough for the, for, for the experience of the other person, which you're really a genius at as well. Yes, this is, this is, and when we get to the four faces, I'll, I'll say even more about this, but, um, this idea of power, it's every word is multidimensional. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I, I, I learned in fact, from one of your mentors, Evan Pagan, which changed my life is, is that you don't know uh, about a subject until you have at least six or seven definitions of the same word. So when you think about power, the moment you define it with one definition, you've actually cut off the multidimensional aspects of what power it really means. And so if we think power is only this kind of active, penetrative um, uh, force of nature that many people think, which, which if they put the picture in their head. It's usually this big, big, large, burly man, in fact, with his finger out, you know, charging ahead, right? If, if that was your only definition of power, it's no wonder we all don't relate. Like some of us um, uh, of the feminine persuasion, or at least not, not just as gender, but even just energetically don't relate to that as feeling powerful. So for some of us, it is what you're saying, the power to listen, the power to create space, and in that creating of space, you create the space for everyone else to feel more creative, wise, empowered, right? And that requires you to actually relax and receive what's happening. And that can be incredibly potent, someone that can create that. 
because everyone in their sphere feels more powerful when they're near them because they feel they're most expressed, they're most wise, they're most creative. Yeah, that's so hot. I'm so excited to jump into the four the four phases of power. And I just also want to state up front that one of the reasons also that power is so important and so important in this conversation is because, you know, obviously this is a podcast dedicated towards queer females and not only do we as women living in a patriarchy really need to learn how to rec- reclaim our power living within the system, but also women are really attracted to power. Yes, and they- so the more we can learn how to step into our power, the hotter we become for the people that we want to attract. So these are all really important things. So let's just dive right in. Talk to me about the four faces of power, Jennifer Russell. Absolutely. Let's let's go through these four. And anyone listening, my encouragement to those of you that are listening to this podcast, that you listen for what, where you live on this map right? Listen for where you find comfort and safety and like, yes, that's me. When I'm feeling my most powerful, this is what I'm doing. But also listen, if you would, you'll get a lot out of this talk. I think if you listen for the one which feels the most scary and the most unnatural, because that's your growing edge. And I like being um, in rooms with people where they're wanting to lean into their growing edge. So maybe lean into your growing edge with uh, Jordana and I, and both of us will maybe reveal where we are. (laughs) Um, And then before I say the four, I just want to say, just relating to what you said, given that this podcast is for women wanting women, um, I just want to I want to say something about um, my relationship to to gender and power and and that idea. And basically, a really close uh, transgendered friend of mine gave me this term called gender full. And when I heard them talk about this idea, um, I, I lit up in a way that I've never lit up about all this conversation about sexuality and gender um, ever before. And it relates to these four faces because if, if, if I relate to myself as gender full, I want to be all the way masculine and all the way feminine. And if I'm all the way both and feel fully both, not trying to pigeonhole myself into one or another, I unlock the power of both of these powerful energies. I mean, these are some of the most potent energies that are relevant to all of us, no matter where you are on the spectrum. And so this conversation of these four faces that we're about to have is really going to be like a vote for all of us being more gender full and having both agility and grace and how we move between both of these. But before we do, I also want to bring back another word that you said earlier, but you said it faster. And I've heard you talk about it with like just a little bit more, um, you've put a little bit more force on this word, which is the word range, which is that ability to step into the masculine when we need the masculine and step into the feminine when you need the feminine. So the full, not just that it's all things at all times, but that ability when you talk about agility and grace, it's the ability to, you know, to, to be agile and gracefully go in to all the different places that you have access to because of that range. Absolutely. Oh, I love that you're pointing out this piece. I think this is one of the most important piece pieces. Um, you know, um, just imagine someone who's got one way of being, right? And they, they're kind of like the one hit wonder. They have one, one way of exerting their power in a space. They have one way of walking through the room and influencing. Um, now, um, that might, uh, 
sway or uh, magnetize a certain percentage of people to them. But if you're not able to fully express in all the different ways, you're going to leave, you know, three, if in my model, three quarters of the people off the, off the table and they're not going to be responsive to you. So the most powerful leaders aren't just those that know how to exhibit one of these faces. The most powerful leaders know intuitively they don't have a style like so many people are trying to teach you how to have a style. The most powerful leaders don't teach styles or personality patterns. They teach you how to, in moment by moment, know what the moment is calling for. And if one moment what's being called for is you to really penetrate the space with what you really believe and, and, and loudly exclaim it for all to hear, then they do that. But if in another moment, What's required is for them to pull back and just listen and make it easy for everyone around them to actually show up fully, then they do that. And you're only half as powerful if you're only willing to do one of those and twice as powerful if you know how to do two. So imagine every one of these phases if you just multiply them. So there is agility and grace that we're actually is the meta lesson. If I get anything across in this in this podcast, it's 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 not to hold on to any identity in one of these quadrants. It's to actually find your own range. If there was a God I worshiped, it's like the God of range. And the reason that is, is that it's for me, the point of our evolutionary development. And we are capable of being completely in touch with what's needed moment by moment, rather than driven by our patternistic kind of rutting uh, ways of, of being, which form the kind of crust of our personality, where the most liberated version of ourselves has full range in any moment to express exactly what's needed. So this is what I want to impart. Like, I want to give us all access to more of this. Yeah, that's hot. And I love when you talk about evolution and versus the patterns, because when we're when we're younger and before we start really stepping into our own personal growth and taking responsibility for how we show up in the world, what we tend to find is that there are, that, that we do have our one ways of doing things or we, you know, the behaviors that we learn from our caregivers and that we've been, they worked once. And so we keep doing them and we kind of discover in our personality that we have these patterns. But I think what you're really pointing to is the suggestion that there are so many more options. And if we could just be awake in the moment and really choose between those options and exercise this wider range, that's a beautiful way of stepping into our power. So with all of that amazing introduction, and it couldn't be more geniusly spoken, let's step into what are these, um, what are the four faces of power? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's get into these. So we'll go, we'll go one at a time in our, in our, in our exploration. Um, so I'm going to start with, um, um, that there are basically two kind of archetypes of power. There's sort of a, a more masculine form of power. And this masculine, when I use this word, I mean the masculine in every single one of us, we all have this sort of archetypal energy inside of us. So there is a masculine kind of personality or form of power. And there's a feminine personality in form of power, right? So you have those two. But in addition, you have an active or outward form of power, right? And then you also have a passive or receptive form of power, right? And so when you put all four of these together, if we were drawing a little diagram, you'd have the four come together. So we're going to talk first about the active masculine form of power. 
right? So, so let's get into this one. So here's the active masculine. So the active masculine, I often will use this word, I'll use the word penetration, right? And um, I can use this word on this part, podcast, but really it's this energy of like penetrating the space with who you are, what you believe, what you know, right? Someone who is in their active masculine form of power, um, you, you are going to enter the room, you're going to know that they're there, you're going to have felt their presence. You're going to have an impression of what they care about most. These are the, this is the form of power that most of us associate with, where we actually don't even remember that there's another three, right? And so this is a penetrative energy, right? And what's, what's wonderful about this, this form of power is that it's incredibly useful when you're wanting to create momentum and progress, right? When you're wanting to direct and guide, right? So if what I find is that when I present these faces, most of us are marginalizing one or the other side of our masculine or feminine forms of power. And if you're listening to this penetrative power and you're marginalizing that saying, no, that's, that's what's wrong with the world is all of those people, all of those men, all of that patriarchal programming, um, all of those women that have, have over-masculinized, that these are the problems, power is not what corrupts. Power is agnostic. It's greed that corrupts. It's selfishness corrupts. It's these values that have us moving from fear. Power in and of itself is just the ability to create, is the ability to change something in our world, is the the ability to know that we are authoring our lives, right? So, so those that have active masculine, these are the ones that are, are, are leading the charge. And they're the ones that, that we tend to think of as, as the, that form of power, as all of power. I mean, I tend to think of you, if I think of someone walking into the room and, and it just, you know, that she is there, that is for sure you, you, you own that, although you do it in a hot dress. So it's not really masculine. And you know, this really, again, is gender neutral. Um, and what I think is really, I just really want to highlight, because again, you talk about, when we're talking about the active masculine and this penetration, which also can be the energy of war and aggression and all those things, and so there's, there's fear around it, but your point is that it doesn't need to be the raping and pillaging in a, in a negative way. It could also, that same exact power can be used for good. It could be used to storm into a room and say, no, these people are being abused. We need to help them. Or, you know, to storm in with, with all of your passion and really do something beautiful. Um, what are some other beautiful things that can be done with the active masculine? That, that, what are some examples? Yeah, here's some uh, counterintuitive examples. So if someone in their active masculine sees that there is a lack of compassion in the space, then that person in that moment would insert themselves and add the compassion that's missing, right? They would penetrate the space with compassion and have everyone around them feel it. If someone uh, in their active masculine sees that what, what's really needed is, is for everyone to collaborate, right? Then they would help rally everyone towards their, their, their common purpose. We'd share it and have everyone feel more clear and conscious about how they can best collaborate, right? When you're willing to have people feel who you are and what you value, you allow them the opportunity to say, yes, I value that too. And I'm on board. Let's take action. You know, part of, 
of the active masculine is the ability to create a lot of activity, is create forward momentum, is to create evolution itself. Right. And it's 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 where the mystical meets the material, where your intentions meet the physical world of reality and that you actually want to bring that into some physical form so that we can touch, taste and feel both you and it. Right. That's the active masculine. It also makes me think of, you know, there is a terrible storm and the whole town needs to be together. And it's the active masculine that builds the shelter. Right. Absolutely. They're right there with the hammer and nails going, let's do this. Right. Yeah pause. There's no hesitation. There's no self-doubt um, in the idealized form. Of course, we all feel those things. But when we're all the way in our active masculine and we know that we're funded by a transcendent value, which for me, a transcendent value is a value that if you multiply it across all people, across all time, nobody loses. Right. So like courage, love, compassion, inspiration. These are transcendent values, right? Greed, selfishness, corruption, status. These are non-transcendent values where if you multiply those across all people, across all time, a lot of people lose. So when you're- So when someone, so just to really harp on this, because if someone is motivated only by gaining more status, by wanting to be known, by wanting to have all the resources for themselves and take it all for themselves and have more for themselves, that's not a transcendent value. And if they're using power in the name of those values, people are going to get hurt. But if, they're, if, if all of this energy is being used for a transcendent value like uh, courage and compassion or collaboration, yes. then everybody wins because the, the reason for the power itself was beautiful. Exactly, exactly. And in a way, I, I, I would even go further and to say that if your if your if your intentions are funded by these transcendent values, all of those thousand pullbacks that I started by talking about that you're afraid of, and you ought to be afraid. There are so many people that express the shadow of power, right? And the shadow of this this quadrant is aggression. Right. So there, those shadows are real. We have every reason to be a little bit afraid of this power um, that we can wield. And yet I don't want us to think that we're not powerful as a resort, as a result of being afraid of those that have, are expressing the shadow. But when we're in the, the, the transcendent values, then we can actually allow ourselves to run as far and as fast as we want to run because we're not in a win lose game. If if my game is about having everyone feel more loved and less fear, then you want me to be as successful as I can be. You want me to go as far and fast because you and me and all of us, if we're all in that game, no one is losing. And no no expression of power is going to be leaving anybody worse off if the expression of power is in the name of compassion or love or courage or something beautiful and transcendent. Exactly. You have it. Yeah. And so that is the beauty of the active masculine. Um, and so if you're, if you're holding yourself back, then you're almost robbing the world of who you are, what you value of what could actually be done. You're sitting in an ivory tower, hoping that someday someone else will save you or save the planet or save the world. And I just, I just want to encourage you to come out of that ivory tower if this is a, a form of power you're nervous about expressing. And, and, and because you won't find the strength and courage to change anything from the ivory tower. The only time that you'll feel the strength and courage to change anything is when your feet touch the ground and you're interacting with the planet, with the people in it. Because this it, is the energy of doing. 
It is the energy of doing, yes. And this model is where being meets doing in a very integrative form, where the being comes from the values and the doing comes from this activity of the active masculine, right? But it's only one face. So we've only looked at one face. That's beautiful. So that's the active masculine. It's the, the energy of penetration um, and its shadow side is aggression. Yeah, is aggression. Yeah, exactly. So, so let's move to the next one. Um, so uh, we'll go, we'll go to the, um, receptive or passive masculine next. Um, and so I'll call, I call this the energy of holding space. And I alluded to it a little bit earlier, right? If the active masculine is about filling the space, penetrating the space with who you are and what you believe and what you value, the passive or receptive form of power, that's the masculine is the holding space. Now this is the ability to create a strong, stable and safe container, right? And in doing so, these are the people in the world that know how to actually create a lot of space and emptiness. And in that emptiness, create a, a, a listening field. And in actively generating that listening field, the idea is that it is designed to bring out um, what is the only response to that empty space with a highly curated listening field, which is authentic expression. So in that field, those kinds of people are creating those in them to be their most creative, their most wise, their most expressed, right? And in creating a strong and safe container, even those that are nervous or, or held back will, will then start to rise and become more empowered. This form of, of power is seeking to empower others, is not seeking power for themselves. So someone who holds space empowers everyone around them. So think about how much more powerful that is. If you don't just have one trick where all you do is fill the space with what you think and believe in your own agenda, but you're also able to pull your own agenda back for a minute and listen to what everyone else has to say. And not only that, but to elicit the very best version of themselves, to feel the most empowered to come out and add to that vision. Now that is a twice as powerful being. And you can see it already, right? It's a really beautiful image because when you think about someone who has an idea, but they're nervous about what other people might think, they're nervous about being judged, they're nervous about speaking up. But a good leader knows that the best ideas come from the creativity of everyone so a good leader, sort of keeping a safe container, as in you know that if, if the leader is listening to you, then everyone else should also listen. It's not, a, you know, I'm, I'm picturing a room full of younger kids teasing someone for having an idea, right? But the, someone who's the older respected uncle says, no, 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 we're going to listen. I want to hear what, what you have to say. And so kind of this... And everyone listens. And then know? everyone listens because it's, it's, it's honoring each individual in a really beautiful way. That's the holding space. Is there a shadow to this? Yeah. Yeah. And it's withdrawal. Huh. So the shadow of holding space is those that get really good at this, that are in their shadow will hold space to the point that all they do is listen and they never insert themselves. They're all about holding space for others and they discount their own voice and they think, well, I'll just let, let everyone else speak and everyone else deserves to have more of the airtime and I don't. So I'm going to count myself out and I'll withdraw. So that's the shadow of that, is that withdrawn. And they're hiding behind their power because they're sort of acting like, hey, I'm such a great leader because of the way I hold space, but they're, they're not, it's not really coming forward how much they're 
um, muting their own voice. It, they're muting their own voice. And like the, to, we're all as a human species more powerful when all of our voices are in harmony, not with any parts of our society quiet. It's, it's the, it's our diversity that is one of the most beautiful things about what it means to be a human being on this planet. And in, in allowing those voices to be heard, felt and known, um, and creating a win-win where no voice is left behind, no being is left behind. We create a world that isn't self-terminating, right? We, we create a world that isn't going to extinct itself because we're playing a win-win across all people across all time. Right. So when you're in the withdrawal, you're counting yourself out and you're robbing us of your voice, which is one of the voices that is most needed. Like we all need all of our voices in this game. We're not going to change our world with the level of complexity and magnitude of the issues we're dealing with today with only a few of us. We need all of us. Right. Yeah, And it's easy to shy away from taking a stand and making an opinion when things are complex because you don't want to make the wrong call. Um, yeah, you don't the boat. You don't want to hurt people's feelings. You, there's so many reasons we give ourselves. And yet for every one of those reasons, there is a way to express the active masculine that doesn't, uh, that is coming from that transcendent value that doesn't need to actually put anything or anyone down. Right. So we're worried about doing it in the way that that would and and therefore marginalizing a form of our own power and not actually putting ourselves out there. We I would just want you to trust yourself more if you were in that boat. Right, because there's there's totally a way to give that opinion without the shadow side of aggression. You can penetrate the room with your idea without having to be aggressive about it. Exactly, exactly. And that we want to blow on the embers of that level of your development and have you actually rise and, and with agility and grace. Again, this whole model is not about typing or forcing you into a box. It's about can you with agility and grace, if you've done nothing but hold space, can you then go, ah, in listening to all of you, here's what I'm hearing and here's what I'm feeling and here's the direction I would recommend right? And, and in that, you see how much more powerful it is that you've not only listened, uh, but you've engaged everyone in being part of it. And then you've, you've given people a direction to align around or not, to comment about or say, yes, I'm with you or no, I'm not. But here's what would shift my mind. Here's what would have my heart and soul come, come along for the ride. This is what creates a, a higher level of collaboration. Because you're demonstrating range. You're demonstrating your ability not only to hold the passive masculine space of really listening and understanding, but then also moving it towards taking the opinion. And, and, and also because of having listened, you have a better ability to penetrate the space because people will respect you more for having listened. And, um, and that really is showing the full range of exercising the masculine. And, and, and how likely are you to want to follow someone who's listened to you fully and who you know has considered everything you're considering? Right. And even if they choose to go a different direction, if you knew you were fully listened to and fully considered, like you, that is someone you'll want to follow someone who only penetrates the space and fills the, fills the space with their ideas, their thoughts, their, their agenda. Like how likely are you going to want to follow them for very long? No, it's annoying. If you feel that you haven't been listened to, then you don't really, they don't earn your respect. If they know that you've fully heard your idea and then, and they completely understand your idea, but they're going to do something for a different reason. And then you can't say, Oh, that idiot never listens, you know? So 
Yeah. And this applies, like, I know we were kind of talking in a leadership context, which implies like a project or a business, but these are equally um, relevant in a relational context. Imagine being with a partner who is always telling you uh, what to do and how to, how to be and how, you know, what to, how to be and how to solve your problem and not just actually listening to where you're at and just being present with you. Yeah, absolutely. In love, especially during any fight when you're upset, there's, it's really important to have both sides, to be able to clearly express why you're hurt, but then also to really be able to hold space for her while she expresses what's on her mind and, and what, and to receive whatever message that is, even if it's a hard message to receive, to stand there strongly and confidently in that space holding energy. Now this actually, I kind of want to even back up one step further, because I think it's really important to talk about why we're even using the, like where these ideas of masculine feminine come from in the first place, because in ain't there certain, I don't know if it's Taoism or where this comes from, but the masculine is often described as both the, you know, obviously the penetration, you know, the old, just, just a straight up penis entering of a vagina, but also the arrow shooting from a bow. And then, but also it's described as the, the rocks in between the river where the feminine is the, the waves rushing through the river. So when you talk about the active, you're sort of pointing towards that bow, you know, shooting the deer, for example, um, and the old fashioned hunter as being the mask, the thing that the males used to do. Exactly. Gathering food. But then, um, so can you just, yeah. So can we, can, I would love to hear your perspective because that's what I'm thinking, but I know you're the one who created this model. So I'd love to hear more about why you're using masculine and feminine. Yeah. Yeah. We, we could substitute masculine and feminine with ideas like circles and lines or yin and yang. Um, one of the reasons that I use those two words is they're sort of hot button words that we all can relate to. And um, what I see as the, the genesis of the masculine, it's a complex archetype that has a lot of different ideas attached to it. But often it's uh, more the agentic side, which is the part of us in humans that are um, standing for the I, right? And often the feminine is the part of us in, in, in all humans that is standing for the us, and if, if we were to break it down even into more, more geometry or physics, I often also look at it as circles and lines, right? There's a line that tends to be the masculine. There's a point A and a point B, right? And there's a directionality. And then there's the feminine, which is often the containment of it all, the circle, right, that holds, right? But each of these, each of these genders, each of these energies have ways of expressing, like, the feminine is not just soft and demure and holding space. There is an active form of the feminine, which we're going to get to. We are going to totally get to both sides of the feminine. I just really wanted to also step back and think um, and, and really point to where in nature and where in ancient philosophy these two concepts of masculine and feminine came from and why it's not just some sort of weird holding on to a, an ancient politically incorrect way. I think there is something really beautiful about looking to nature and seeing how this plays out because, you know, again, the masculine and feminine existing within all of us, but also existing out there in nature and just sort of like when we talk about having a spirit animal or incorporating animals that we see and, and you know, being the lion or being the, 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 the eagle or whatever it is that we, whatever it means to, to us when we talk about in, incorporating a spirit animal, um, just really want to look out into what really exists in nature and, and bring in why these terms are even used. 
Yeah, I, I see them as incredibly useful archetypes, right? So archetypes, right? The archetypes are, are like a collection of, of traits that form into sort of an identity that all of us can relate to. Like there's the king archetype, the queen archetype, the wizard archetype, right? There are all of these archetypes. And what happens is that everyone that's ever held one of these archetypes across all time has kind of generated a, a body of wisdom that you can embody and borrow, right? So often in my work with people, I'll actually work with them around archetypes and have them full on, like take on archetypes. Every year, for instance, I take on a new archetype to expand my range. Which is yours this year? Right now it's the healer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I've been deep diving into healing and, you know, my energy more naturally is more like the empower or the inspire, right? I've taken on things like the warrior and the queen and the wise woman and the sage. And in a world that's so full of trauma, where I realize that even if all of us don't have capital T trauma, almost all of us have small T trauma, right? It's hard to live in this society, even just structured the way it is and not have some of that. And I realized that there was a, a level of range in my being in having a, even a, a softer, more healing presence. And so that's been my archetype, for instance, as a healer. So masculine and feminine are also archetypes though, right? And we can borrow the power and wisdom and strength and grace and compassion that occurs in each of these archetypes and, and wear them like a mantle, right? Like one of my favorite questions I ask women is how do you woman as a verb? right? I love it. It's like that archetype of femininity, of, of womanhood. How does it express through you as a verb? And, and, and how do you man, if you're a man, how do you man as the verb? And how does that express through you? So what are some answers you get to that? I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've gotten so many. Um, I did this literally at my bachelorette when I was getting married, I had all of my favorite women together and I posed that question to like, I think there were eight or 10 of us together. And the whole night was, was getting to see this beautiful gallery of women showing me each different face of femininity that I then got to, I felt like I got to incorporate each piece, each face. So some of the answers, like how do I woman, I think one woman came and her womaning was all about having every woman in her presence feel maximally loved and like the goddess and divinity that she was. I imagine you can guess who that woman was. Um, another woman um, that uh, was in was with with me was had a, a complete relationship to her body as a temple. And she ate raw vegan food. She moved with like that sinewy, beautiful, curvaceous way that so, so many women move. And, and it was like an expression of like treating my body like a temple. And that was how she womaned. Um, another woman that was there was her womaning looked like bringing complete, wise listening and understanding to every being such that everyone felt fully accepted and fully unconditionally loved in her presence. And that was the way she woman and so on and so far through the rest of the night. That's hot. Right. So I, I, yeah, I would pose that to everyone listening. How do you, if you were to take on uh, either of these as archetypal mantles, how do you woman and how do you man? And I, I want the woman to answer for both um, because I'm all about both as, as you know. Absolutely. Yeah. In, in honor of range, we should have answers to both of those questions. How do you woman? How do you man? Wanting women 
um, I, I, it's just, it's just like, it's so much more important to me because the, the polar it's, it's easy to allow the polarity to, to neutralize. Right. And, and, and so if you don't have these like really rigid gender identities kind of forcing the polarity, you've got to actually create it energetically in order to have a really hot, juicy feminine relate like uh, relationship with a woman or a man with a man either way. So I'm a big believer in actually playing with those polarities. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. All right. So I feel like we did a great job. Of, I really like the way you've explained why we're even using the words masculine and feminine in the first place. Now let's get back to the four phases of power and we were up to the feminine side. So where do you want to start? Active or path, active or? Yes. Yes. So now um, I have a special place in my heart for the next two, right? So the next two forms of power, if I could do affirmative action for these two, I, I want everyone to have all four, but in some senses, our world hasn't had these other two expressed as fully as they could be expressed. So let's go to the receptive or passive feminine first. So this one is the energy of attraction. This is the energy of gravity, right? This is the magnetic force that rallies everyone towards her cause. If, if the act of masculine is penetration, is the energy from one from you of penetrating outward, this is the opposite polarity of that energy. This is the energy of outward that magnetizes everyone towards you, right? So this is seduction. Mm. Can you seduce people into their highest selves? Can you seduce them into expressing their purpose and passion and into a flurry of motion that creates the activity that moves mountains? This is the energy of a black hole, which is so magnetic. It's the most powerful force in the universe, right? This is Helen of Troy who launched a thousand ships with her beauty. So this is an extremely potent form of power. Right. And it is it is a form that um, of power where where around you, everyone wants to rally towards your cause. You know, as a as an example, I often use Martin Luther King. And when he would speak, hundreds of thousands of people would rally towards his cause. In that moment, he was also expressing the receptive feminine. He was drawing and magnetizing an entire generation towards his cause. You're a maverick if all you do is penetrate the space and you have no followers, right? You're just saying, here's what it should be, here's the agenda, and you've got no one wanting to follow you, right? So it only, that power is only useful the moment you can collaborate and draw more people with you on a cause for more of these transcendent values. Can you get an entire population to say, yes, we're warriors for love? and courage and compassion versus fear, corruption, and greed, right? That is powerful. What's the shadow side? Yeah. <laughs> Manipulation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if I can wink, nudge, seduce you into doing something and it isn't always for a positive cause for you or for the world around me, then I have the power to manipulate you for, for ends that might not be in service. And so the shadow, all of these have shadows. We, we talked about aggression for active masculine. We talked about withdrawal for passive masculine. We now talk about this one, which is all about manipulation. So we have to be careful that, that what it is that we're drawing people towards is a positive cause, is a transcendent value, is something that is good, is creating a win-win for all involved, such that everyone is better off. 
and someone expressing this magnetic and attractive form of power, it's like with a fl- like with a wave of their hand creates a flurry of activity all around them because everyone is so excited to be a part. And my favorite spiritual teacher once said to me, Daryl Anka, and he said that the the greatest power requires the lightest touch. And if we were to give power a makeover <laughs> and really, really re- redefine how we relate to it, it would be like this. That if you ha- are having to force or push in any way, it's actually a sign of your lack of power. It's not a sign of your power. If you can wave your hand and a mountain moves, now that's power. And that is the power of the receptive feminine. Yeah, totally. But there is that other side where you can, these, that somebody that is so magnetic that people are just, they just want to be around them. They just want to do anything to be close to them and will we'll give to people like that. There's a lot of wanting to give to people who have that power. And then the question becomes, how much are you going to take? Yes, yes. And that's why really checking for what's funding your desire to influence the space around you. Is it your fears? Is it your greed? Is it status? Is it proving that you're, you're smart or sexy or beautiful or loved? Or is it in service to something larger than even you? Is it, is it in service to this value that you want to see expressed more of in the world? And that is why leadership of any kind is such a, a privilege and such a, a game worth playing because it's an opportunity to develop that skill and then to make mistakes and to repair, right? And, and to learn from that and grow because you're willing to take on wanting to influence the world and carry on your shoulders things that other people aren't. And so if you're willing to, to bear that burden, to, to take things on, it's, it's a sacred obligation of yours to learn these forms of power and learn how to to love yourself through the shadows that will invariably show their heads and yet, and yet really unwind those pieces for yourself so that you're not either leaking your power because the moment you're expressing those shadows, you're actually leaking your power. If you feel someone's manipulating you, you're going to trust them less and less moment by moment. And pretty soon they're not, you're, you're not going to be under their spell. And so if you really want to create a difference in the world to something that really matters to you and you want to draw people near you, engaging in these shadows, uh, the shadows are in a way a fail safe. And, the, and I, I use the word fail safe on purpose because if, when you engage a fail safe, it's like if you, if you start to engage the shadow, it's like the power just cuts off. It's kind of like like a switch, like you have a fuse in a switch. And if you surge uh, too much power through the switch at once, it blows the fuse and then the, you can't turn on the light, right? And, and in that way, these shadows will have people repel from you versus magnetize towards you. Right, totally. Uh, eventually, if we go back to the active masculine, if you're being too aggressive, people are going to rise up against you. Absolutely. They'll throw you. They'll mute me. Yeah. <laughs> And, and here with the, the receptive feminine, if you're being too manipulative, eventually people are going to pick up on it. They're going to stop giving to you. You're not going to be, it's, it's, it's not hot anymore. If all you're ever doing is taking. It's not hot. I mean, you want to be seduced into the woman or man you want to be not into the woman or man that's weak or under the thumb 
or less expressed or less liberated, right? If someone can, can attract you, draw you, magnetize you to the person you've always dreamed of being, you'll pledge undying love to that person. I mean, they'll forever be a partner that you'll trust for, for the rest of your life. But if all they're ever trying to do is get their needs met and then you're giving and giving and giving and they're taking and taking and taking just because they're somehow figured out how to seduce you and be magnetic and, and attractive in that way, eventually just there's something so unsatisfying about that that doesn't work in the long run. So when we engage our shadow, we leak our powers, as you're saying. I think there was something else that you said that was really important that I don't want to lose the thread of, I want to make sure I can really have you expand on it, is about making mistakes and repairing. Because anytime we're wielding power, we're not perfect. And no one expects us to be perfect. But in a, in a world where power is so feared, any mistake could then be, you know, feel 10x, right? Yeah, it's an awesome responsibility to put yourself out there to wield power of any kind. It's And, and it is a humbling and beautiful and worthwhile journey. So we're not seeking perfection here, but what we are seeking is to learn how to wield this power in a way that, that actually engenders the, the, the future and the vision that we are holding, the one that we really believe in. And the one that we believe in isn't the one full of all the fear and the violence and the negativity that we see in front of us. I want to see us unlock those visions, which is why I want all of us to realize that we are that powerful. But I also want us to realize that we, with that power comes the responsibility to actually repair any risks that occur. It's been a very humbling experience for me because I'm always putting myself in a position to lead and I've learned so much over the years. You know, I went way too far in some of these faces for a while um, before actually rebalancing and becoming a lot more integrated. And I still have a long way to go. I mean, we all do, but it's incredibly important to do the repair. It's incredibly important as anyone who is powerful and we all are to realize the impact we're having. And one of the things that we often will do, especially when we're in the shadow, is we disengage from the impact we're having. We don't realize, for instance, if we penetrate the space and we're kind of harsh or forceful, that, that we had an impact on those around us that felt smaller or weaker or less than. Or, if we're, or people who are being manipulative and taking too much may think, well, they just kept giving it to me. What was I supposed to do? They just kept on handing me stuff, you know. Um, so that not really that exactly what you said. I love the way you said it, disengagement from the impact that we have. And you can even disengage that from the withdrawal. Like we all know anxious and avoidant patterning for secure attachment theory, if any of you are into that. When you withdraw your attention and your, your, your love, your care, and you pull back, like – that creates an impact, right? And so you have to be more and more present to the subtleties of your impact. If I've learned anything about leading and empower both in love and in leadership and in my life with my personal relationships is to be, to have even more subtle awareness of the impact you're having. Turn the dial up on that awareness uh, such that you're feeling everything that's happening all around you. I mean, that's just another one of these super skills to develop is to be willing to feel it all. And you know, what's so interesting about what you're saying right now is that this applies even for people that want nothing to do with power. If they are just, doesn't matter. They might say power, that's bad. That's wrong. 
And that's just another way. That's that might be another way of disengaging from the impact that you have, because every single one of us is so powerful. Every one of us has massive impact on the people around us just by, you know, not looking someone in the eye or by being passive aggressive with something we say. I mean, we all have power beyond what we realize. I love what you're saying here. This is what you just said is so important. I want to take it even one step further, which is we are all equally powerful. We are all creating the universe that we're in, right? Uh, My spiritual teacher, same one, uh, said, um, you are the universe you formerly thought you were inside of. And, And part of what he means by that is that literally your reality, the one that you're experiencing is a perfect fidelity reflection of your consciousness. Everything you're seeing, you're generating, you're creating. It's a projection screen that you're projecting in order to experience the world. So you are creating 100% of it, which is both great news and bad news. And the great news is that you are empowered to create it any way that you wish. You are the author of everything you see around you. The bad news is you are the author of everything you see around you. So it's really all your fault. <laughs> um, and, and it's an awesome responsibility. It can feel like a heavy burden at times. But if you realize that it, this, this talk isn't about making you more powerful. It's about having you realize that you are the gods and goddesses creating the entire universe of reality that you're experiencing. So just wake up to the fact that that's occurring and then take responsibility over how and what you create. Yeah, and have massive humility around that. Uh, massive humility. <laughs> and awareness. Yeah. And then do you have any advice on how to do the repairs? Is there, or is that way too much of a topic? You should do a whole podcast on just that. <laughs> okay, I'll hold the, you to it. The, the, and and I'm, I'd be delighted um, because I also do love work. I do a lot of work with couples and singles around evolving love. And repair is a very big topic in that work. If I had like a short answer, because we could go on another hour on this, but if I had a short answer, repair is really about two things. It's about the resolving and uh, restructuring. And often we are good at one or the other. And resolving for me is like restoring back to like regulation, back to everything feeling good between you and another person, restoring kind of the emotional field. And that, that gives people a feeling like, okay, wait, we're, we're in this together, right? We're, it's, 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 it's not two people on opposite sides and we're restoring back to a point of co-regulation or regulation individually. So that's only one side. Then the restructure is the other side, which is changing of a behavior, changing the pattern permanently so that the thing that created the, the issue doesn't continue to happen. And as leaders, as lovers, we have to get good at both. We have to know how to resolve the situation so that we are co-regulated and not with our nervous systems reacting and out of fear, which is what creates all the problems to begin with. But we also have to respond by restructuring so that we're not re-insulting and re- um, Yeah, so uh, that the problem doesn't keep happening. You can't repair a problem if the other person doesn't trust you're not going to just keep making the same mistake over and over again. Yeah. So realize when you're repairing, you have two skills to master. (laughs) Right. Make the person feel better so that you resolve the emotional rift between you and then restructure the way that you operate between you so that this person, whoever it is that got hurt, doesn't keep getting hurt. 
Exactly. Yes. Yes. And, and both are very nuanced and both require practice. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. that answer. I love the idea. I, and I'm so excited for our talk on love and repairs and all of that and all of that at a later date. But in the meantime, we still have our fourth face of power. And I guess we're on to the active feminine. We are. We are. This is like my favorite. So when we think archetypally of the feminine, the traditional feminine is like quiet and demure and caring and kind and these more passive qualities. But there is not just a passive form of feminine power. There is a very active form of power that is spontaneous and creative and bright and alive. Right. And this is the active feminine. And I call this creative expression. And, and this is our access to the intuitive mind. In some ways, I call the active masculine the discriminative, discriminative mind. And by discriminative, I mean like the, the part of our mind that knows how to look at our past and evaluate and compare and analyze what should, what should happen in our future. By contrast, this active feminine form is the intuitive right? This is why I call it spontaneous and creative. The intuitive mind to me is, is an aspect of power that is, is, is so open. It is experiencing multiple simultaneous inputs all at once across space and across time. And because of all of those inputs, our mind, our linear brain can't even make sense of it all. So what it, what, uh, what it occurs as is as an intuitive impulse, and these intuitive impulses are actually crunching more data than any linear brain could ever crunch. And, 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 and insofar as that are the most intelligent forms of decision-making I know of because it is more systemic, right? And if, if the feminine stands for anything in our world, it often stands for that more holistic, more integrated, more systemic, more nature, more life-focused form of intelligence. You ask a, a more masculine-oriented, uh, active masculine form to decide something, they're going to think about what do they think is best for themselves. If you ask the active feminine form, now this, this form is going to reach out across space and time, across all people, across all beings, across all nature, and then from there, say, from the us, say, ah, this is the direction I would go. And in that direction it will always be a win-win. If, if I could have all of us on the planet develop one form of power and really just affirmative action, really spend a little extra time, it would be on this form. It's, it's the person that in a meeting of, of a bunch of talking heads will stop the meeting and go, wait a minute, I can see that you guys aren't trusting one another. No amount of us talking about our agenda is going to get us anywhere unless we stop and actually have and, and generate a field where everyone is trusting one another, right? They in that moment are getting that impulse. They're feeling the room. They're feeling everything and everyone around them and allowing that spontaneous creative expression to guide their behavior moment to moment. They'll stop and sing the song to, to unify the room. They'll stop and um, smell the flowers and realize that people need to be more connected to the nature that they're in. They'll, they'll pause for a moment and check in with everyone involved to make sure that we're not just glossing over 
what's happening moment by moment. They will throw away the agenda in service to the spontaneity of what's actually needed right here and right now in this moment. They are the force of this active feminine. And this is the force of the, the systemic world, holistic worldview. So this is the one I want to see running our world. This is the, these are the visionaries. I right? love it. Innovators. It's yeah. so hot. It's so hot. There are a few things that really jumped out at me while you were speaking. And one of them was this idea when you talk about the systemic and this nonlinear form of information that almost comes forth to activate the active feminine. And what occurs to me is that when we talk about the thinking mind compared to the intuitive mind, so the thinking mind, this masculine, this, this active masculine really represents the neocortex and the part of our brain that we humans have and we have mastered, but it's only come online in our evolution relatively recently compared to all of our other organs and all of our other systems that we share with all these other creatures. So when we talk about tapping into this older systemic part of ourselves, that's like billions of years of wisdom that like can sort of inform us as opposed to just Oh, so good. I love that you said this. Yes, yes, yes. What you're saying. If you think of it like you're tapping one mind, which is evaluating, this is the discriminative uh, function, which is the active masculine form. This is, it's, it's incredibly useful um, to discriminate and analyze and evaluate, which we need to be able to do. But when you tap the intuitive mind, you're tapping the entire uh, neural network if you will, of all humanity, all life, all beings, everything ever created in the universe, and you're tapping it all simultaneously across time, and then allowing that intelligence to inform you. And because your little neocortex can't process it, you, 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 it occurs very mysterious to most people. It occurs as an impulse. And almost like whimsical and silly. Like what occurs to me too is when you're talking about the, the active masculine, it's like you're going to build a bridge, right? But with the active feminine, it's like you're going to tell a joke or you're going to do a dance or sing a song or create some sort of beautiful rep expression almost. It's, it's, it's also creative, but, but less like, you know, that linear, forceful kind of way. It, yes, because it, it it's it's going to see that the opportunity of the Garden of Eden on the other side of the water of the, of the bridge that you're wanting to build, and it's going to know that that is exactly where we need to go to that garden. So it's going to have the innovative vision. These are the innovators. These are the visionaries. It's 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 going to be the one telling the people to build the bridge because it saw the garden over there and knew that that's where where humanity belongs, not in some heaven ascended from the planet, but in the garden itself, descending into this world, feeling, touch tasting and feeling the preciousness of this life. So it's, it's literally going to be the, the, if, if it's really, uh, takes its place in our society in the way that I hope it does, it, it is holding the vision of w whether to build the bridge while the active masculine is the engine getting the workers to go to build it. Right. So it's the, it's deciding what needs to get built in the first place. What's the shadow? It's the right. Yeah. The shadow is chaos. <laughs> um, the, 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 the shadow, um, is, is chaos. It, it, it will sometimes look like flakiness or unreliable. It can look like unreliability because the active feminine is not beholden to an agenda that was developed outside of being present to this moment. 
and being in response to this moment. It can at times, if it's in its shadow, be completely unreliable, right? And, and chaotic in its expression. If you really need that meaning to go a certain way, and then this active feminine comes barrels in and says, no, let's just sing songs and, and, and go home and eat crumpets. And you know what I mean? Like that can be maddening. Yeah. And disruptive too. And disruptive. And, and so if they're in their shadow, you realize that everyone in their shadow is not actually in their fullest expression. So they're mistaking their connection to some of their needs and other people's needs for what's best for the group and then disrupting the group at, uh, on that basis. So if you're in your shadow of, of someone, they can be the, the full of drama and they can f- be full of chaos. But there are two forms of integrity. And I just want to note these two forms of integrity because it's imp- an important piece. There's a kind of a more masculine integrity and there's a more feminine integrity. And a masculine integrity is an integrity to one's word. My word is my bond. I, I do what I say I'm going to do. If this is our agenda of what we're wanting to create, we're going to do that. Feminine integrity, which is the, in this form of power, is integrity to the moment. If, if what we said we were going to do actually doesn't serve in this moment, I'm going to do what serves this moment. And it is always going to supersede any past uh, agreement because that past agreement did not have this data of what needs to happen in this moment. If, for instance, I got a call from my family member right now saying, you have to come right now. We're going to die if you don't come. I would stop this interview. Absolutely, Even yeah. Word that I'd be on the interview. But what would be integrity to the moment would be I would stop and say, actually. Because a higher value. Yes, I need to serve this. And it would actually be out of integrity to continue. So that's a different form. So we, we will indict each other for holding different forms of integrity. Um, masculine forms of integrity will will make wrong the people that are holding the more f- integrity to the moment, the feminine form. And people in the feminine form will make wrong the people that are holding the masculine form. And the point is, as I said before, everything is multidimensional. Even integrity is multidimensional. The idea is that you engage in it in such a way that you would neither not be in, in alignment with the moment nor break your bond. And in that, you you choose to move through life with both forms. Absolutely. And just to just tie in one more time, getting back to the shadow and the idea of understanding the impact that we're having, the impact that we're having um, by being too chaotic is is not being dependable and, um, and sort of derailing what the active masculine might really be trying to build. Exactly, exactly. And, and that unreliability um, will have less and less people want to come along for your magical ride when you are wanting to insert your innovative ideas. Again, you'll have less people wanting to follow you. And you'll, right? have, less imp- you'll have less success because yeah. if you're constantly being whimsical and you're not allowing the mas- ma- uh, active masculine to do that sluggish penetrating work of just showing up and building and showing up and building, then nothing uh, will ever get built. Again, all the more reason to be engaging in that range and the ability to tap into all four. Absolutely. And, and to look like, as I said at the beginning, I said, look for where you live and look for where, what, what feels the least natural because that place where it doesn't feel natural is where all, all of your shadow hides. It's where you're leaving all of your power off the table. You can see how you're four times more powerful if you're able to do all of these. If you're able in one moment to, 
to express what you value and have an agenda and, and then, and then are able to pull back and then listen and, and allow other people to be empowered. And then in the next moment, you're able to rally more people towards this cause. And then in the next moment, be able to look at what's needed and feel all stakeholders across all time and have that be the compass that guides you. Now that is potency. That's true power. And if you're able to do that with agility and grace, moment by moment and not be stuck in your shtick right? and that shtick of whatever is your of wanting to influence, uh, whether it's your lover or your partner, your friend, then you are actually going to be expressing more of what really power is all about, which is that range. It's so hot. Are we complete? Is there anything further that, you know, I, I would just say in closing, um, uh, dare to push the limits of your own self-expression to be the hottest lover you can be, to be the most powerful leader you can be, to, to understand how to lead, serve, and inspire in any, any avenue, in any project. Dare to not just do what's normal, but to provide what's missing. Mm. And, and in so doing, you'll be on a ride of, of the fastest development I can imagine. Taking on, like, knowing that you're powerful and leading in more contexts, realizing in every moment you're leading, every word coming out of your lips is a moment of either having someone leave with more influence and, and a different perspective or you leaving with more of theirs. So every conversation you're, you're leading. So just realizing that responsibility and taking that on, that's just all I'd want to leave people with. Yeah. Well, that is all you lead people with. Anyone who watches you or sees you, that is definitely the example that you set as you move through the world. And it has been such an honor to have you share this wisdom here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Where can people go to discover more of your amazing work? Yeah, I've got uh, my website, which is jennifersrussell.com. I've got, um, and then I've got evolvinglove.us. And those are the two places that I do my work. I do love and leadership. Those are my two jams. And if you want to jam with me on that, I am excited. What are some things that, that people can find if they're offer, if that, that you're offering there that people can go and check out? Yeah, if you do Jennifer S. Russell slash power profile, you'll get a, a really fun questionnaire that will take a look and give you a roadmap of your power, like which of these quadrants you have most expressed, least expressed, what shadows you have. And um, there's like a 40 or 50 page booklet that you get that sort of unwinds and tells you a little bit more about how to develop each of these four quadrants. So I'd be happy. It's all free. You, all you all you need to do is just kind of enter your name in there and you can have that. Um, so that I'd be happy for you to have. That's amazing. I'll have a link to that below. So basically what you're saying is that not only are you, have you shared all this amazing genius, but there's also a workbook that you created with lesson plans so that anyone who wants to can go in and really do deeper work on these four quadrants. Power profile. You get to see kind of how, where you are on this vis-a-vis -vis these questions that I ask and vis-a-vis -a, -vis a little bit of, of uh, an analysis of your answers. So yes, I'd, have, I'd be happy if you guys have that. In addition, I've got all sorts of free resources on both sites, free videos that are you can just navigate and see, and I'm happy for you guys to, to watch those. There's stuff on leadership and power. There's stuff on love and relationships. So depending on which website or which topic is most interesting to you, I'm happy for you guys to have some fun with all that. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time, and I look forward to the next one on love. Oh, me too. I had so much fun. Thank you for jamming on one of my favorite topics. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for creating brilliant wisdom on some of my favorite topics. My pleasure. And now I would love to hear from you. We covered a whole lot of things in this interview, but I'm curious, what of the many things we spoke about was the most impactful for you? Head on over to the blog at womenwantingwomen.com and let us know.
And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then there are tons of free resources for you on womenwantingwomen.com, including a guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a class on the number one thing you can do to end your loneliness if you're single, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a guide to the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, a guidebook on finding your lesbian soulmate, and a free matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of this is free on my website at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of these things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle Insider, which will give you instant access to an email training series I created to help you get on your game to finding your soulmate faster and easier, and to help you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally do meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to womenwantingwomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other LGBT women that you think can benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, keep remembering that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women. <laughs>